1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: All right, let's talk to our man Connor Riley from Dog Nation. And Connor, a lot going on. We're getting ready for um, the pro day. But before we get to all of that, uh, part of Mike and I's conversation has been about Jalen Carter. And is this done? are we is the information done as far as what we didn't know and is there going to be a new bombshell report that comes out is this pretty much over in this from the standpoint of the news
2: aspect of this with jaylen carter
3: yeah that's my understanding of it
2: he's got an arraignment on april 18th and we'll see if anything additionally comes out of that but if they were going to charge him with anything else i like to think that they would have done so um when he was first charged last Wednesday with reckless driving and uh, racing misdemeanor charges in that aspect. Again, you know, with the high-profile nature of this case, the fact that the agency had the story that they had out on it last Wednesday, if there were more to charge him with, I believe they would have done so and that would have already come out. And talking to people, uh, you know, with regards to the NFL, obviously they're still gathering information on this, but it sounds like if these are the only two things – that have come up with regards to Jalen Carter from the night of the January 15th car accident uh, that claimed the lives of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix. If that's it, I don't think it's going to greatly impact his draft status all that much. Uh, I don't think he was ever going to be the number one overall pick because I think a team would have ultimately traded up to get a quarterback there. But it sounds like, from my understanding, if this is the extent of these charges against Jalen Carter, which I believe that to be the case, and then he'll probably still end up being a top pick. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be a top six or top five level
4: pick. I know that uh, some folks were circling with the knives in the national media, but what did you think of Kirby's response when he finally did speak about all the stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a—it's certainly a measured response. It's a, you know, I don't necessarily know the right word for it, but, you know, you bring in a guy like Mark Slayball, who's a respected journalist. with are ESPN. You run the interview on six or, uh, the 6 p.m. Sports Center on Friday. It shows... You're at least in, willing to open yourself up to media. He's gonna have obviously a lot more to say on this uh, when he meets with the media in Athens next Tuesday. You know, obviously there's parts of this that it's, I'm sure he's gonna say. You know, it's still an ongoing investigation in that part. Uh, you know, and this is a personal. Like Kirby doesn't need to open up his program, open up the books to media members in there. But I do think that there's, especially in situations like this, where it seems like every national media yahoo lot wrote the same lazy column that Kirby has a culture program there, you know, when when you have a lack of transparency in your program, that's what sort of you allow people to do. You know, I personally don't believe that Kirby has a culture problem in this program. You know, when you have 18 to 22-year-olds, they're going to do things like this. I know when I was 18 to 22, I had friends that were driving fast and were willing to race and things along the lines of that. You know, it's unfortunate that the event that happened happened. Um, but at the same point in time, I, I think Kirby answered some of the questions he's obviously going to have to answer and continue to answer more. And it's just clear that this Georgia program is going to have to be a lot more buttoned up following these events. And, you know, look, like there are kids racing on every college campus, and that doesn't excuse what happened. It's just sort of the reality of the situation. I, I You know, you hear every Georgia player, I believe, was asked in some aspect, does Georgia have a cultural problem? Is there something wrong with the culture of Georgia? I don't believe that to be the case. I think these as and and Bennett said, are, are – isolated incidents with individuals and not something systemic of a larger issue when it comes to the university of Georgia.
3: We're talking with Connor Riley from dog nation here on sports radio, 92, nine the game. And um, the other thing in regards to Georgia is the upcoming pro day. And what do you expect there? What, what do you expect from guys who want to maybe run better, you know, uh, show the scouts that they, they missed something at the combine who needs to be better at their pro day than they were at the combine, in your opinion?
2: Uh, I think Keely Ringo's a guy tomorrow there. Yes, he ran very well, ran a 4.36. 4-3, I think he's got a chance to show some of the fluidity in terms of the agility drills and also the position drills there. Uh, I don't think he solidified himself as a first-rounder, certainly in the way that Nolan Smith and Darno Washington did in that aspect. I think Chris Smith and Kenny McIntosh are probably going to want to have better showings. You know, neither of them ran well, but neither of them were ever going to run well. These are not super-plus athletes in that aspect, and they're better, in my opinion, football players than, you know, true athletes uh, in terms of testing and spandex and underwear Olympics and things like that that you've heard of the Combine before. And the big thing, you know, what does Jalen Carter do? Uh, He had previously said that he wasn't going to work out at the Combine. He was going to work out at Georgia's Pro Day. There are going to be a lot of eyes on him there. I imagine it to be one of the more packed Pro Days in the history of Pro Days. And, you know, I could see where he likes not to work out and just not have to deal with the questions and and things of that nature that come with that. But there are going to be a lot of NFL teams interested in seeing him getting a look under the proverbial hood, so to speak. And so it's going to be really, really interesting – what Jalen Carter decides to do next Wednesday, uh, March 15th, with George's Pro Day.
4: I know they uh, they rolled with Jordan Schaefer. Well, that was the fifth-round pick, right? Uh, and he did not have a chance to really kind of crack the starting lineup. And, again, everyone develops at their own pace. What about a guy like Broderick Jones going to the next level?
2: Mm. Yeah, so I think Broderick Jones, I personally believe he should be the first offensive lineman taken in this draft. Uh, I know a lot of people like Peter Skarnowski, Paris Johnson – I think Roger Jones is just scratching the surface in terms of what he can do as a football player. Uh, And you've seen him play in big spots before and come up big. Uh, Getting thrust into the national championship game against Alabama, and really, if you look at the rushing splits before he came in and after he came in, the way he really opened things up there. He's a super athletic dude who I think is going to be able to handle some of these elite pass rushers that he's going to see at the next level. But the area where he was best in college – with his ability to get downfield as a run defender and really open things up and, and manhandle uh, you know linebackers and safeties there, not just get his hands on them but finish them and put them through the ground. Uh, I, I think Brider Jones is everything a team should be looking for in a first round offensive tackle. He actually measured in bigger at the combine than he had been listed at U G A. He was listed at six foot four. He measures in at six foot five, which I think is a clear, you know Dividing line of markation in terms of what teams look for in tackles. He's got 34 inch arms. He's everything you, I think physically you'd want in an offensive tackle. And I think when teams get down to sit with him, they're really going to like his makeup and what he's going to be able to do. And what he's also, I think, going to continue to grow into in terms of being a left tackle at the next level.
3: Connor Riley, our guest, guys. We're talking all things SEC, all things dogs. Brian Kelly of LSU told ESPN on Monday that he's in favor of facing a nine league uh, or nine games in the league right. schedule. And he wants to keep Alabama as their permanent opponent, but he says, quote, I want to play the best. Okay, so we know Texas and Oklahoma are coming. And, Connor, we've been having this conversation for two years thinking we wouldn't have to have it until 2025. They're coming in a year early. Where does the league go when it comes to this scheduling situation?
2: Yeah. The SEC, I believe, wants to go to a nine game schedule. And the reason doing so is because there's somewhat of a belief that, that going to a ninth game, getting an extra SEC game, allows them to go back to ESPN and renegotiate their television contract. That's what's driving all of this, and the mm-hmm. ability to do that. Uh, you know, I think ultimately they're going to go to a three permanent rivalry system and setup. That is, again, not official, but that is my understanding of the situation. We'll see what Georgia ultimately ends up doing in terms of who their three are. I feel very confident that Florida and Alabama are going to be two of them. I think a lot of people would like to see Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is going to be one of the permanent rivals for Georgia. I think South Carolina, maybe even Kentucky, is a more possible option in that. But I do think we're going to go to a nine-game schedule, and one of the difficulties in this is balancing, you know, who are those permanent rivals, but also, okay, so let's say, you know, Alabama, because I know Nick Saban has raised complaints about this. Right you're playing Tennessee LSU and Auburn on a yearly basis well yes you're seeing them every year it also means you're more likely on a year on an every other year schedule you're more a more likely to see you know the Vanderbilts Missouris Kentuckys of the world but also you know because you're playing those three teams every year they're not going to load you up with one year where you're playing Oklahoma Texas Georgia and Florida all at once like they're the SEC, why I understand some people, not wanting to play a loaded schedule, the SEC is going to do the best job they possibly can in making these future nine-game schedules, I believe, as balanced as they can from top to bottom. Because Ultimately, yes, you have people like Brian Kelly. I think the average college football fan in general, they want to see the best teams play the best teams. They're also going to want to try and make it fair so that everyone has an equal shot of ultimately winning the SEC championship, even if we know that to be – something that's not really possible given the talent makeup that Georgia and Alabama compared
4: to say a Vanderbilt and a South Carolina. Is it partly as a uh, Connor Riley joins us guys, Kate Connor Riley on Twitter for all you dog nation fans that uh, they don't really make any more money. i read a few articles that said that if they go jump from eight to nine with the way their TV package, you know, they don't, they don't really, it doesn't behoove them because they don't get more loot over it.
2: Right. They, if they just go from eight to nine, but, what the league wants to do is, is renegotiate that television deal to get more money. Right. And if ESPN says no to that, because that, ESPN Disney is who negotiated their deal and who the deal starting, I believe in 2024 will be with, uh, if they just say, no, we're not going to renegotiate this, then maybe perhaps you see them a, a more willingness to go to an eight game schedule. But the belief is that if you can get to nine games and you can get more money from ESPN, because you're adding an extra SEC game every year, that's extra inventory, for ESPN, that's the driver of that. But ESPN could very easily say, no, we're not going to renegotiate this deal, and then the SEC is going to have a decision to make. And that in that circumstance is where it becomes much more appealing to have, say, an eight-game schedule where you have teams at the bottom of the rung, you know, uh, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi State, that they need that extra non-conference game, make it a little bit easier. That way they can get the six wins and get to a bowl game and get the bowl revenue that comes with that.
3: Connor, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. We'll talk next week about Dominic Lovett uh, named the top five transfer. We've got other things we'll be talking about. That the pro day. Lots to get to as Georgia
4: continues. It's offseason. And before you know it, it'll be G-Day, hey, the big spring game. And, Connor, real quick, Carl asked me, put me on the spot. I say nine. Nine Georgia Bulldogs. Nine make it to the NFL. They get drafted. What do you say? i uh,
2: 12 guys at the Combine. I will take 10. OK, uh, I think they have 10 guys drafted. I think Robert Beal gets drafted. It'll be interesting to see if they draft the kicker in Jack Pod Lesney, but right. I'll probably say no there. But I think 10 guys ultimately get drafted from
0: this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.